All right. Thank you, everybody, for coming in and attending. We are continuing from last week. We follow the, the progress of the Sidor, uh, notably the section of Shabbat in the Sidor. And last week, we uh, spent some time talking about the Shabbat's Mirot, which people do on uh, Friday night. And today, we're formally beginning to analyze and study the Tefilot of Shabbat. What makes the Shachrit of Shabbat different than an ordinary Shachrit? What details does it have which distinguish it from an ordinary Shachrit? And how that uh, came to be in the Sidurim as we know them today. So the first element which makes a Shabbat davening different than a typical davening is actually external to the Sidur itself. And that is very simply that the Sidur, that the, the Tefillah starts late. Uh, if you typically go to a davening on a normal day in a shul, it could start 6.30, 7.30. Working people have a life and, and they, have to get to, to, they have to get to work. Uh, however, on the Shabbat, when people aren't working, typically this, the tefillot start much later. So one would just think that this was a matter of convenience or practicality, and that's why they began the shachrit later on the Shabbat. However, this minhag is very, very old, and it is actually brought by the poskim as having some actual, uh, uh, what's the word, tayridika background for why we do the, uh, the Shachrit late. There's a Mordechai in the back of Rabbi Mordechai ben Hillel. was a, a Ashkenaz Rishon. He wrote a pirish on the Gemara. It's called the Mordechai. And he wrote in the back of Mesechet Shabbat in Shin Sadichet. The Mordechai says as follows. He says that there is a Mesora from the Geonim that this is the Minhag. There's an actual tradition from Rav Hai Gaon that we're supposed to start Shachrit of Shabbat later. And this is a fact that not so many people know, but when Rav Hai Gaon became Gaon, right, after his father, he was probably about 60 years old, his father, Rav Shrira Gaon, lived to a very old age, and Rav Hai Gaon took over probably sometime in his 50s or 60s as the Rosh Yeshiva of Pompadisa. And well, as the yeshiva of the Shivat Geon Yaakov. And Rabbi Haigaon chose, unlike most of the Rosh Yeshiva before him, to travel to different places and teach Torah. And he had an extended stay in Italy. And Rabbi Haigaon thought it was very important that he, being the last of the Geonim and the last of, a, of an extremely important chain back to the Amoraim, that he should teach as much Torah as possible to as many people as possible. He realized that the uh, centrality and the supremacy of the, the Babylonian Yeshivot was waning, and that Torah was going to migrate from uh, present-day Baghdad to northern Africa and to Spain and to Germany, and therefore he thought it was very important to go teach and to create new Rabbanim. And so he picked up and left, and he went to Italy, and he spent an extended stay there, probably around a year. It's not clear to me, I tried looking this up exactly when he went, but I remember hearing that he went when relations uh, started to ease between the Byzantine Empire and the Holy Roman Empire, which controlled Italy at the time. Most likely that means he probably went during the rule of Henry II, who didn't really uh, bother Italy as much, while uh, Conrad II, who lived the last 10 years of Haigon's life when he was in his 90s, 
um, marched straight into Italy and took it over. So it's most likely that he did it sometime in his 60s or 70s when he still had enough energy. But Haigon lived a very long time, till his late 90s, uh, 99 probably. And so we know that, and he was very, like he, he had his, he wrote letters in, when he was 98, 99. So uh, he had an amazing life. But regardless, when Rav Haigon was in Italy, one of the Rishonim, Rabbi, I think Rabbi Yitzchak Rabbi Yehuda from Germany, came to Italy to learn from him. And he heard a drasha from Rav Haigon where he said as follows, the typical tamid when, by Shachrit, when we bring the Korban Tamid, the Pasuk in the, in the Torah says, Baboker, Baboker, it repeats the word Baboker, that indicates earliness. Yet by the Musaf of Shabbat, it says, Ubayom HaShabbat, and on the day of Shabbat. And that doesn't say Baboker, Baboker, it doesn't imply earliness. And this is a drasha to teach us that on Shabbat, we shouldn't be tardy, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be early, and we should instead start the Shabbat davening later. So that's fascinating because we don't have uh, a drasha like that in the Gemara and he's like expounding on a pasuk where we don't have any such um, expounding from the Gemara itself. So it's a rare thing. Sometimes we find Rishonim and Geonim bringing proofs from Pesukim. And the Achronim also point out, the Big Deyesha and the Bach, that this, he's bringing a pasuk from Musaf to give you a proof for Shachrit. So they try to reconcile this, and the Bach says most likely it's just a semach, it's just a, a support, and the Geonic practice of, uh, of starting Shachrit late uh, does go really back, but it was most likely simply because of convenience, it was just because people, you know, it was Oneg Shabbat, people didn't have to work, they could sleep longer, it was done for Oneg Shabbat, and this is just a, a semach for this minhag. If you look at the Rishonim, like the Budurham and the Tor, who typically and the Manhig and the Chaim, who typically uh, recount most of the customs of Spain and Provence and France, they don't actually mention this for some reason. I didn't see it in the Manhig and, and in the Orchot Chaim. So, my, for example, the tour says Mashkimin. So, therefore, it's possible that the uh, Spanish poskim didn't know of this as a to have any halachic value, and it was simply this one Shmua from the Mordechai, this one hearing thing that the Mordechai heard, which later got halachic value. But the Rishonim, as far as I saw immediately, uh, didn't uh, bring this minhag, but it is known today that there is halachic value to starting Shabbat Tfilot late. The Hasidim make a point to do this, and they also make a special point to say Kriyat Shema before they come, so that obviously they're not machshil the Rabim, that people wouldn't say Kriyat Shema on time. So now, in the Siddur itself, typically the davening starts as usual. You begin with the brachot, elokai neshama, you do the korbanot, and, you know, in most Siddurim, they won't repeat all the korbanot and the brachot, they'll just tell you, skip to page 289, or, or what have you. There is one minhag um, in the korbanot section, which is different, and that is to say the extra pesukim of yom shabbat shneik vasim b'nei shana, right, to add that into the korbanot. Now, when I saw that in the Sidurim, I always assumed that, that it was cute. Somebody added it. You know, like, okay, we're doing the Karbanot. You might as well add the Pesukim about the Karbanot of Shabbat. However, much to my surprise, this was this addition is extant already in the Seder of Amram from 1,100 years ago. Rav Amram Gaon writes this in his own Sidur, that, that we should add in the Karbanot these uh, two Pesukim. So... If you look in the Abu Durham, he says that the the minhag in Spain was to add those pesukim. The manhig 
omits it. He says you shouldn't do it. He deletes it. And according to the Abu Dharhamr, Sadia Gaon rejected it because those Pesukim of Shnei Kvasim Bnei are talking about the Musaf of Shabbat. So they shouldn't be said by Shachrit. Why would he be saying Pesukim about Musaf of Shabbat by uh, the Shachrit? And right, so if I'm remembering correctly, that's how it evolved. And therefore, some of the Pesukim didn't like it because, because it's talking about Musaf, we don't want to put it in Shachrit, and others... Uh, did approve of it because this was their minhag in Spain for a long time, and it comes from the Seder of Amram, therefore it stayed in the Sidor, and that's how that came to be. Now, after the Korbanot, there's extra Mizmorim, extra Pesuke de Zimra, which are said on the morning of the Shabbat. Now, the, to do an exact research of exactly how all of this developed and how which Mizmorim were chosen proved to be difficult for me. And the reason for that is that most of the early manuscripts that I have access to, access to whether it's on the Bodleian Library or from other places, the authors of those Sidurim were too frugal to write anything for the Shabbat Zemirot before Nishmat. When they start the Shabbos Zemirais, they always start with Nishmat Kolchai. So it's very common in, in different Sidurim and different Sfarim that when they start talking about Zemirot Shabbat, they just start with Nishmat Kolchai, and they don't mention which Mizmorim exactly they added before the typical Mizmorim of Shabbat. However, some of the Rishonim do list them, and therefore we can get a sense of the basic construct, the basic body of a Mizmorim that they chose at the time, and how that kind of evolved into the Mizmorim that we have in the Sidur today. Virtually all of the, okay, maybe 80%, of the Mizmorim that the, the Rishonim had the custom to say are still said today. We have discrepancies between um, the Ashkenaz and the Svardi that we're, we're going to see uh, uh, shortly. The uh, only, literally the only Ashkenaz version I found for the order that the Ashkenazim do is in the Siddur Hasidei Ashkenaz. That's literally the, the only one I found. I couldn't find it uh, in the Machsar maybe the Sidurashi has it, but I didn't have time to check the Sidurashi. And therefore, I was struggling to, especially with the time constraint, I was struggling to get enough manuscripts to understand if there was an evolution in Germany because so many German books simply didn't uh, list it. And I'm going to mention a few more problems with knowing exactly how these, this uh, uh, repertoire of Mizmorim evolved. Uh, soon. We're going to discuss a little bit more of that. So the Rishonim do, however, give reasons. They do give reasons for why we add Mizmarim on Shabbat. So the first reason I'll mention is the Abu Durham. The Abu Durham says that we want to distinguish the Shabbat from the weekday, as the Pasuk says, Ki ot beni be, uh, beni Israel. Hashem wants Shabbat to be a, a sign, a witness, a testimony, and Shabbat has to be distinguished, it has to be a special day, and therefore we add extra Mizmorim on Shabbat. That's a simple reason that the Abu Durham gives. The um, Rebbe of the Ramban, Rabbi Huda ben Yakar, says, that we're adding specifically seven Mizmorim. Now, this doesn't add up according to everybody's counting, but he says we specific, specifically add seven Mizmorim. As the Pasuk says, Sheva biyom hilal ticha, that uh, seven times in the day we shall praise you. This Pasuk is used to cor correlate a bunch of things, whether it's the Brachot of Kriyat whether it's uh, Kaddish, 
We've learned this pasuk many times, but sevenfold of a day, seven times in a day, I shall praise you, says the Rehuda um, ben Yakar. He says that's why on Shabbat we add seven mizmorim. Uh, the Tur, the Ravan, and the Chassidei Ashkenaz say something startling. They say a different reason. According to them, the entire week we should really be saying these extra seven mizmorim because of what they talk about. Hamashemayim Sapim Kvod Kel talks about Briat HaOlam. LeDavid Beshanoto Tamo talks about Teshuvah. Yoshev Beseter is the Shir Shol Negaim. Halulu Avdeyat Hashem, I believe, is about Teshuvah, I think he says. Elbona, I don't remember exactly all the language. All of these Mizmorim are very important, and, and technically we should be saying them the entire week. However, the Chachamim were very choshesh for, for, they were very um, sensitive to the needs of the community, and they realized that they can't keep people in the synagogue for an extra 30 minutes every morning, or probably an extra, sorry, 10 minutes every morning. So because they're very sensitive to the needs of the community, they only, uh, they only put in these Mizmorim for Shabbat, even though technically we should put them in uh during the weekday as well. And he actually says, if a person could say them during the weekday, tavo alav bracha, that's the language of the Ravan. So uh, in the language of the Ravan though, he says, if I'm remembering correctly, I don't, well, let me just actually look at this because I don't have a Ravan here, but I have it quoted. He says, If I'm remembering correctly, and I don't want to misquote this, I believe one of the Rishonim made made it sound like originally they were mitakin to, yeah, therefore, basically, yeah, the Ravan's language sounds like originally they, they, they instituted all of the Mizmorim, including those original seven, and then later they, they uh, deleted the, those, those original seven because people didn't have time. So what's problematic with that is that the earliest sources we have for Pesuke de Zimra constitute the corpus of those six halalukas that we say every day. We don't have any evidence uh, from the Geonic sources or earlier that the Pesuke de Zimra contained an additional seven Mizmorim and that they were later deleted. This is possible if you go back to the time of the Amoraim that this was indeed what happened, but we just don't have any, uh, you know, uh, textual evidence of this. We don't have any tangible evidence of this, but this is this is what their Avan suspects to be the case. Okay. As far as correlations, correlations get very interesting because I, I wish I had time to go through all of them. Both the Abu Durham and Rehuda bin Yakar give different systems for why these Mizmorim were chosen. And they don't actually work according to both both Nusraot. For example, if I'm remembering correctly, Rehuda bin Yakar gives an explanation which aligns with the Ashkenaz order. If you look in this, the Sephardi and the Ashkenaz Sidurim, the order of these Mizmorim is different. His Pshat, Rehuda ben Yakar's Pshat, who says that these uh, seven Mizmorim uh, correspond to the seven days of Bereshus, his goes according to the Ashkenaz. And the Buddha Ham, who says they go according to the ten Mamarot Olam, that these Mizmorim correspond to the ten utterances with which Hashem created the world goes according to the Sephardi order. So I just found that that interesting. For example, and it's also loosely based. It's not a strict, unlike many places where they give a strict uh, 
a correlation where they say, okay, this mismar is for day one, this mismar is for day two, this one is for the first mimer shnevar adam, this one's for the second. They're a little bit more loose with it. They'll say, okay, these first two are, are for the first mimer, these second two are for the second mimer, etc., etc. For example, Hashemayim Sapim Kavot Kel, that's for the first mimer where Hashem created the world. Or if I'm remembering correctly, uh, it's for the first day in which Hashem created the world. All of these ideas are trying to all of these, it, these are longer, we could go through all of it, I don't know if we would, we would actually have the time, but the Rishonim want to paint a picture where these seven Mizmurim are a meditation where we're concentrating on Hashem's creation of the world, uh, which culminates in the Shabbat, which is appropriate for the Shabbat. So, let me just do a quick comparison in case uh, one hasn't seen this before. The Ashkenaz Sidur start, both the Ashkenaz and the Sfaradi Sidurim today start with Amnaseach, Mizmar Levita Shamayim Misapim Kivot Kel. That's the first one. And if I'm remembering correctly, the next one that the Ashkenazim do is Lid David, right? Gary can help me here. Then thirdly, they do Tefillah Lamoshe, then they do Yosheh Beseter, then they do Haluluk Halua Tashem Et Hashem, Halulu Avdeh Hashem, then they do the Halal Hagadol, Hodul Hashem Kitov Kilom Chasto, then they do Rananut Sadikim, and then finally Mizmar Shir Lema Shabbat, Hashem Malach Kiyotavesh, etc. So the Ravan brings a proof. He says, I'm going to prove to you that these seven Mizmorim were originally instituted as part of the Pesuke de Zimra. If these were only added for Shabbat, Mizmar Shirli Yom Shabbat should have been the first one. The first Mizmar should be Mizmar Shirli Yom Shabbat, and then you have the rest, the Hashemayim Sapim Kvod Kel. Because we first do these seven, and then we do Mizmar Shirli Yom Shabbat, this tells us that Mizmar Shirli Yom Shabbat was added later, and it was only added uh, added after, subsequently, to the original seven, which were part of the weekday tefillot. In other words, these were the original weekday tefillot, and then we added Mizmar Shiri Yom Shabbat into it, because if it was the main one, it would have been first. That's uh, his ra'iyah. Uh, the, there is a minhag, which is practically um, extinct, which was, I, mean, I wouldn't say extinct, because that's the wrong word, but there is a minhag on Shabbat that they used to do, which is no longer practiced in the same way. Today, if you attend the Sephardi shul and you're there in the morning, there's a, a portion of Shachrit called Hashem Melech, right? So the Ashkenazim don't know what this is, but like they, they know to show up for Rishmael Eimer or to show up for Baruch Shamar. The Sephardim want to be there in time for Hashem Melech because of, you know, they want to say the Kaddish after Hashem Melech. Basically, the Sephardim get up, the Chazan says, Hashem Alech, Hashem Alech, Hashem Yimloch Lomved, Hashem Alech, Hashem Alech, Hashem Yimloch Lomved, twice. Everybody rep- repeats it after him. They stand up while saying it, and then they say, Hashem Alech, Kol Aretz. They say, they say the Lam Natsayach, and then they continue with Baruch Shemar. This is the Sephardi custom. This goes back at least uh, 900 years. The source for doing this most likely comes first from the Shabbat. The first uh, time, if I'm if I'm if I'm quoting this correctly, the first dates that we see the Rishonim speak about this minhag is to do it on the Shabbat. So specifically on Shabbat, they would open the prayers with this practice of saying Hashem Alech Hashem Alach. Now only in Spain did they repeat it. Many places did this, whether it was uh, Italy, Provence, 
many uh, Egypt, many places did this minhag to say Hashem Alech Hashem Alech Hashem Yilok on Shabbat, but only Spain repeated it. If you look in the Shibole Haleket, he testifies to the Italian minhag that at the beginning of the Mizmorim of Psuke de Zimra, they would begin with Hashem Alech Hashem Alech. This was only on Shabbat they would do this. And he brings a Midrash, which is the source for this. Uh, hmm. I wonder if I can take it out now. Basically, this midrash, if I'm remembering correctly, is in Hechalot. It says that there's a malach which stands every morning. There's a malach which uh, which calls out to the other malachim, and it says Hashem Alech Hashem Alech Hashem Melok Lolam Ba'ed, and the other angels reply until until the kahal gets to Baruchu, they are singing Hashem Alech Hashem Alech Hashem Melok Lolam Ba'ed, and based on this, we're supposed to stand by this uh, Hashem Alech Hashem Alech. The Shiboli Halechet says that this custom where we do this on Shabbat, the way we do it here in Italy is that we only stand by the Hashem Alech, Hashem Alech on Shabbat. But during the weekday, we still do Hashem Alech, Hashem Alech, just like the Sephardim do today, but we don't stand, we sit for it. Because the Chachamim in the weekday were sensitive to the needs of the Kahal, they didn't want them to have to stand up every morning. If you're Sephardi, you're annoyed by this. They have to stand up for Hashem Alech. They didn't, want to, they didn't want to do this to the kahal. They didn't want to have to have people stand up. But on Shabbat, when people have extra time, it's not such a Torah, we have the Chazan sing it out loud, and he sings it, and everybody repeats it, and everybody stands for it, which corresponds better to the Midrash, which is the source for this uh, minhag. We spoke about this in a shiur uh, earlier. I think it might have been shiur 36 or something like that, um, where we spoke about this minhag of doing Hashem Alecha and Hashem Alach. It's probable that the Ashkenazim never did it. I should mention that. From the phraseology of the Manhig, it sounds like the Ashkenazim never did this Hashem Melech Hashem Melech business. Um, I did find it in the Sidur Aram Soba, the same way that it used to be done by the Italians and, and by everybody else. So I'll just show it to you really quickly, if I can on my screen here, because I think it's, uh, you know, it could show you the Machsoroma too, since we I have them both in front of me. Here we go. The Masa Roma, the Italian version, is what I'll show you here on my screen. Share screen, and here we go. This is a sitter from Italy, probably from the 1500s, and as you can see, the beginning of Shachar starts as follows. Hashem Alech, Hashem Alech, Hashem Yimloch Lo'am Ve'ed, Yehi Chavod Hashem Lo'olam Yismach Hashem Ve'ma'asav, just a, basically a collection of Pesukim, then they say Mizmor Letuda, which we'll discuss in a second, and then they begin Hodul Hashem Kitov Kilolam Chasto. The order is different in Italy. They do Hodul Hashem Kiru Vishmo, Shemayim Isapim Kvod Kel, Hashem Malach Tegel Haaretz. As you can see, there's a slightly different collection than Ashkenazim would be familiar with today. And if you look at the Machsor Aram Soba, this is the Musta'ara B, uh, the, the Arabic uh, practices of the Jews in Aram Soba in, in uh, Syria, you'll have here. So as you can see, they didn't do it in the same way as the Spanish do it, as the Sephardim do it today. They just read it once, and that was how they began these Mirot of Shabbat. Um, here, if you look at, this, at the, the Aram Soba Minhag, they had much fewer Mizmorim. Uh, it was just Baruch Sha'amar, Mizmor Shilim Shabbat, and then... In the middle of the Pesukah de Zerma, they would say, but they wouldn't add more than that. So they had, it the, they had it the easiest in Aleppo. Today, we say uh, many more than, than they did in Aleppo, but it seems that the Mustara B Minhag was to only do one, which is, to me, fascinating.
However, wait, I should, if uh, that's one in the Pesukah de Zimra, if I'm remembering correctly, it might have been the, um, was it them? We have them in Hag to do Shermalot once. I think it was them who they did all 15. Yeah, they do, yeah, sorry. They, they do the rest of them earlier. So we'll see that in a second. Okay, so the first, let's discuss them one by one. I'm sorry that this is going to be a little, I'm trying to be methodical here, but let's do our best. We just finished talking about Imin Hag, which nobody was familiar with, which is to say Hashem Alech Hashem Alech on the Shabbat and to begin the Pesukah de Zimra to do that. All right, so no one does it that way anymore. We don't begin the, the Pesukah de Zimra of Shabbat with Hashem Alech Hashem Alech anymore. Only the Sfaradim do it in the Spanish way, but the Italians don't and the Ashkenazim definitely don't do that. Let's continue with the first Mizmar, Hashemayim Misapim Kvod Kel. Right, so this is a very beautiful... Um, this is a very beautiful Mizmar. talks about the, the heavenly bodies and how all of the works of Hashem and creation uh, extol Hashem. However, the uh, Zohar says that this uh, first Mizmar is essential to saying the rest of them. Because Hashemayim Sapim Kvot Kel, this idea of Shemayim, is really talking about a specific type of light, a specific type of energy that comes down to the world on Shabbat. Shemayim is a code word for this special type of menucha, uh, the special type of, of uh, R that comes down to the, to the world on Shabbat. And this Mizmar is the reason why we say all the Mizmarim on Shabbat. Each one of them is a different stage, is a different, uh, exp- a different type of R that comes down from Shemayim. And he says that this is a Takanat Chazal, it's a special Takanat that the Chachamim created Using beginning with this mizmor, this mizmor draws down all the shefa into it. It represents the drawing down of all of the shefa of Shabbat into the Shabbat day. This is why, personally, when I if I'm late to shul on Shabbat, if I'm only going to say one, I definitely say the first one. The lam natzach mizmor the david shemayim sabim kol kel. I definitely try to say at least the first. This is my own personal thing. I, I try to do at least the first one because I know that this one is. Um, the, the most important of all of them, at least according to the Tsar. So what's interesting about this is that virtually every Nusach I could find uh, today, all the Sidurim, Temani, uh, Moroccan, Ashkenaz, what, you, you, what have you, all of them begin with Amnaseach HaShemayim Misapim Kvod Kel. Besides two Sidurim, which are typically very, very reliable um, in my world, and they do not have it. And this has confused me uh, beyond words. So basically, there's a Sidur in the Bodleian Library. It's a Spanish Sidur. It's Neubauer 1133. That's the catalog identifier. As well as the Sidur of the Arizal. The Sidur that the Arizal used when he himself personally prayed. Both of those Sidurim don't actually contain uh, this Mizmor at all. Even though all the Rishonim list it as... As, as like the, all the Rishonim listed as the first of all of these Mizmorim, uh, I just, it's not there. And there are other Spanish uh, Sidurim from Catalonia, from Aragon. I didn't have time to check those, but the Castilian Nusach, which is in like the, the pretty standard Spanish Nusach, which influenced a lot of subsequent Sidurim, especially the Sidur that the Arizal used, right? The Sidur Reish Pedalid. It just doesn't have it. And I could show you the title page if you don't believe me. The title page of Shachrit Shabbat here in this Sidur is 
Rananu Tzadikim Ba'ashem. You look right here, and this is the title page that is older as to it. It begins with Rananu Tzadikim Ba'ashem, and it doesn't have the Hashemayim Shapim Kvod Kel. So just to reiterate, this kind of stuff is frustrating to me because I don't have enough, uh, personally, I don't have enough manuscripts on hand to make an educated um, uh, verdict as to why or how this happened. But this is, an early, this is the Castilian uh, Minhagen. As you see, when it's done listing all the Mizmorim that we're supposed to do by, by Shabbat, it jumps immediately to Nishmat Kolchai because why waste ink? Uh, I'm paid by the hour. I'm a scribe. You know, you're not going to get me to rewrite something I just wrote. And if you look here at the Ariz, the Sidur that the Arizal used also, the Sidurish Pedalid, at the beginning, uh, here's Kiddush, and then you have the first page of, of the Tefillah Shabbat, Rananu Tzadikim Bahashem. So I'm very confused by that. I don't know if it's a minhag, which the, the standard Castilian minhag was simply not to do Lam Natsiach Hashemayim Misapim Kvot Kel, and so, somehow they borrowed it from other Nusra'ot. This is, I, I don't have words. This is just a little frustrating to me because I don't know the explanation for how this got in. Maybe um, next week I'll have an answer for you. I'll continue to do research and hopefully I will find something. Okay, so regarding the Shir Hamalot, the Sfaradim have a handful of Shir Hamalot in the, um, in the corpus, in the repertoire of Mizmorim that we say on the morning of Shabbat, which the Ashkenazim do not have. At first, I thought it was only a few hundred years old. I saw it in the um, in the Sidur Aram Soba much earlier in the in the uh, much earlier in the Shachrit of Shabbat. They have all fifteen Shir Hamalot. So my assumption was that there was a minhag of, of according to some to do all fifteen Shir Hamalot, and then people got lazy or they just got picky and they picked a few of them. And this is what we have left in the Sfaradi Sidurim. That was my original assumption. However, I found in the Sefer Hamanhig he specifically mentions a couple of uh, Mizmorim of Shir Hamalot, which they, they have a Mesorah from their Nasi, Rabbi Yehosaf, from their president, Rabbi Yehosaf, to say those specific Mizmorim, and therefore we know that those are, that that's, that this Minhag actually goes back at least uh, 800 years. And he says that they add Shir Hamalot, Samachti Bomerli Beit Hashem Neilech, Al Shem Simchat HaMikdash HaChadash Banash Hu Binyan Mefuar, meaning uh, in honor of the Beit HaMikdash HaAtid, in, or, in honor of the third Beit HaMikdash which is going to come, for this reason uh, we add the, this specific Shir HaMalot, and he says, and also all the other, the other Mizmorim that the, Spanish, uh, that, the, that the Spanish Nusach adds, each one of them has a reason. And I found this frustrating because he doesn't list them, and, and more so, if you look at the Seder of Amram, I, I've said this a thousand times, but the Seder of Amram in certain points of, of, the, of the Sefer is, is very unreliable because later scribes would come in and put things which were relevant to their local community. So if you look in the Seder of Amram, there is, at least the Goldschmidt edition, has four different versions of the Seder of Amram side by side as to what the order of the, of the Mizmorim for Shabbat should be. And so I found that very frustrating because um, each one of them is different. It's like, okay, that's the way the Spanish, I think, do it. And this is the way maybe the Italians did it. This is the way maybe the Germans did it. It's impossible to know exactly uh, what Ramram himself did in his time, in the time of the Gaonim. But uh, we'll have to live. We'll have to live with that. So there's another Minhag, which is also goes all the way back. Uh, another one of this Mizmarim that I'll just mention is the Halel Hagadol. Uh, the Halel Hagadol is 
one of the, the is basically one of the most chashiva, um, uh, what's the word? Mizmorim uh, of Tehillim, the Gemara in Psachim speaks about it. It calls it Halal Hagadol, and it says, because this uh, parak represents how Hashem sits with his ultimate power over and commands all of the sustenance to this world, which is an interesting thing to say, because the Hodul Hashem Kitov says, thanks Hashem because he's all good, and then it goes on to list all of the, mak- the, the makot of Mitzrayim and how Hashem punished everybody in Mitzrayim, and then at the last the last thing it does is it says, um, the le- if you look, let me just read it to you. How Hashem created the world, and then how Hashem split the Yamsuf, and He took us out of Mitzrayim, and He beat the nations of Canaan. And then finally, on an unrelated note, right? This, it seems completely unrelated. However, we know that the Midrash says that it's Kasha. Uh, um, uh, we know that a person's panasah is also compared to kriyat yamsuf. And this typically is a concept in um, the Torah that we see where the supernatural is often compared directly to the natural. Meaning when we see a supernatural event, which is a pella, like the kriyat yamsuf, we are taught to recognize that this is just a flag. This, a nace is just a flag to remind you that Hashem is here in the natural world and that His mastery goes, uh, His mastery extends as far as every aspect of physicality. And therefore, when we speak of Nisim, it's simply to remind us that Hashem has complete and total mastery over the physical world. And therefore, this reminds us that it is Hashem who gives us Parnassah. That's the, the most simple understanding to this Halal Hagadol. Um, and why it's considered the great Hallel. Um, I wish we could spend, I mean, maybe we should or could next week spend a little more time in each one of these Mizmarim. Uh, I struggle to do that because it's not really a Tehillim shear, even though these are all, each one of these Parakim are, we could spend a complete shear on. But uh, this, this Minhag of saying the Hallel Hagadol is quite old and in most of the Nuschaot that I found. Not all of them. Not all of them have this Hallel Hagadol, but it is in many of them. So the next part of the Sidur, after all of these seven or ten or how, what have you, Mizmorim, um, uh, the next part of the Sidur is the Baruch She'amar. And the Baruch She'amar in most Sidurim, right, if you're Ashkenaz, you probably never knew this, is the same, right? You say Baruch She'amar on, on the weekday, the same way you say Baruch She'amar on Shabbat. However, we spoke about this uh, in our shir about Baruch Shamar, really in the introductory shir uh, for Baruch Shamar, that historically there were two versions of Baruch Shamar, not one. If you go all the way back to the Geonim and to the original Spanish version of, Ma- of, of Baruch Shamar, the Spanish had a longer version of the introduction to Baruch Shamar. So without getting too, into too many details, You'll notice, anybody who's studying the brachot will notice that, that Baruch She'amar is, is a very anomalous bracha. It's very different than every other bracha we have because it doesn't begin with Baruch Atah Hashem. It has this whole introductory piece and then it says Baruch Atah Hashem. So there's, this is tangential, but there's a Sefer, there's a, an entry in the Sefer, uh, Sefer Zikaron, I think it is, or maybe the Sefer Yilchsen, where he says that in the academies of Bavel, in the yeshivos of Bavel, they had a tradition 
or a custom that when they were going to appoint a new president of the Jewish community, a new Reish Galuta, they had a special Shabbat. It was a whole special weekend. And the entire town made a whole Yom Tov out of it. If there was going to be a new Reish Galuta, there was two leaders of the Jewish people, the Gaon, who was the you know, the Talmudic uh, rabbinical leader, and the Reish Galuta, who was the political, also rabbinic leader, but a, a political leader. They would make a whole Shabbat out of it. And one of the descriptions he has of that custom to make this whole Yom Tov and Shabbat in Baghdad uh, for uh, the, the Reish Galuta is that on the morning of his uh, coronation, so to speak, on that Shabbat, they had a choir. And one half of the room would say, Baruch Shamar Vehaya Olam, and the other half would answer Baruch Hu. Baruch Hu and they would answer Baruch Hu. Meaning that this, to them, this introduction to Baruch Shamar, it sounds like this introduction was actually some sort of piyut, that it was some sort of song that they sang. It is possible that, the, that Baruch Shamar itself, this whole introduction, was a popular piyut which was added, um, although it's unlikely, because we have uh, others, we have the Seder of Amram, we have other sources that are very early, it is quite likely that this is just a very anomalous bracha, but we can't know for sure. Now, if you look at their Siddur of Sadia Gaon, the Siddur of Sadia Gaon, does, during the weekday, doesn't have this entire Baruch Shemar Vahayalam. He just starts it with the Baruch HaTashem Elokein Melchalam part of Baruch Shemar, and only on Shabbat does he have the longer version of Baruch Shemar, which we say today. The Moroccans originally, if you the Mustar Abim, and also the, the, the Syrian Arabic Jews always said the original Spanish longer version of Baruch Shamar, which is, let me just read it to you, if you've, if you've never heard it before. Um, pulling out the green Koran edition of the uh, Moroccan Sidor so I could read it to you. Here we go. Uh, did they skip it? Here. Baruch Shemar Vahaya Olam, Baruch Omer Baroseh, Baruch Gozer Makayim, Baruch Osimir Yishit, Baruch Ma'avir Afeila Mevi Ora, Baruch Kelchai Laad Vekayim Lanetzach, Baruch Shein Lefanav Avla Velo Shicha, Baruch Shein Velo Maso Panim Velo Mikach Shochad, Tzadiku Bechol Derachav, Vechasid Bechol Masav, Baruch Poda Umatzil, Baruch Hu, Baruch Shemo, Baruch Zichro Leol Me'ad. This longer version, Rabbi Sadia Gaon himself puts only on Shabbat. Eventually, it seems that the simpler version became more popular, probably because people were had to go to work. Uh, if you look in the in the in the in the Pirsh of Hatfila of Rabbi Huda ben Yakar, he says most people say this simpler version, and he would know because he learned in northern in northern France. He was born in Provence, and then he moved, I think, to to, to Spain, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, or maybe Egypt. And he uh, he would he would definitely know if he said most places stick to the simpler. A version of Baruch Shamar, and it seems that that's what happened. That that is what happened. My feeling is that the Mustara B version. I don't remember exactly all the research we did by that I did by Baruch Shamar. My feeling is that the Mustara Bim kept the longer one. The Arabic Jews kept the longer one, and it wasn't until the introduction of uh, the immigrants from from Castile and from and from Spain that they switched over to the shorter one. However. Many of the early Spanish and early Gaonic did indeed have the longer one. If you look here, um, I could show, share my screen again to the to the to the Mahzor Aram Soba. I'm sure some of the Kenai might have already seen this. They also have the longer Baruch Shamar. In case uh, one is curious, 
this this is the longer Baruch Shamar of this the original Syrian Nusach. Baruch Shamar Vayalam Baruch Hu Baruch Mavase Baruch Kozem Kayem. And then they also have Baruch Merachim Al Aris Baruch Merachim Al Briot Baruch Mavir Afilam Mevior Ra Baruch Meshleim Sachato Liriav. This, if I'm remembering correctly, the Rambam also has this longer version of Baruch Shamar at the beginning of of um, this longer version at the beginning of Baruch Shamar. But the reason I bring this up is because on Shabbat, if you attend the Moroccan synagogue you will notice that many of them will say the longer version of Baruch Shamar specifically on Shabbat, and you're not crazy. You just don't have it in your Shidur, and you've probably never seen it. But this was, there, there were two Nuschaot, which were popular in Klai Yisrael, until, until one of them just became much more popular, probably because the printers decided, economically speaking, it made the most sense to print the simpler one, and that became the one that most people, till today, uh, say. All right, two more little things. Mizmor uh, Litoda. So you'll notice that today in most Sidurim, they do not print Mizmor Litoda at the beginning uh, or anywhere in the Mizmorim um, of Shabbat. So this began with a teaching from Rashi. Okay, the Bet Yosef and the Machsorvitri quote Rashi as saying this. Rashi says, that on Shabbat we omit Mizmor Litoda because Mizmor Litoda is representative of the Korban Toda. And on Shabbat in the Beit HaMikdash, they were not allowed to bring a Korban Toda. Therefore, we do not say the Korban Toda, we don't say Mizmor Litoda on Shabbat. The Tur and the Budurham and other Rishonim do not like this reason of Rashi. They reject it. They say, what's the Shash? I mean, just because it represents it doesn't mean that it's literally like we're bringing the um, the the korban toda. And what are you going to tell me? You're going to tell me that in the future, when we build the Beit Hamikdash, people are going to make a mistake and bring the korban toda on Shabbat just because they said mizmor toda on Shabbat. That's really not a rational chash. Therefore, they support saying it. And if you look at many early nuschaot, they did say it. The Italians also said it. The Shiboli Haleket said that his minhag was only to say it on Shabbat in Italy. And on the weekday, they didn't. And his brother said he didn't know why, but the, his brother suggested perhaps Shabbat is a Yom Hoda'ah. Perhaps Shabbat is a, is a special day to, to give thanks to Hashem, and therefore we say Mizmor Litoda'ah Shabbat. And this is actually this minhag that Shibboleh HaLeket uh, speaks about in Italy. We just saw a second ago, I think I showed it on my screen, that the, the beginning of the Italian, um, the beginning of the Italian Nusach for the Mizmorim of Shabbat begins Hashem Alach Hashem Alach, and then immediately after is Mizmor Litodat. It's the first thing they say at the beginning of the Mizmorim of Shabbat uh, because that was their Minhag. They considered Mizmor Litodat a very lofty Mizmor, and this is despite what the Machsavitri said, they continued to do it. Um, for some reason, uh, it could be that the majority Minhag was, especially the Ashkenazim and the Sfaradim. It could be that the majority minhag was to omit it. Eventually, the printers decided in most of the Sidurim to leave it out. You don't find it, even in many manuscripts of the Sfaradin Usach, you don't find it. They left it out on Shabbat for some reason. And eventually, the majority minhag became not to say Mizmor Litoda on the Shabbat. We spoke of, in that shiur about Mizmor Litoda, we spoke about all the uh, different powers of Mizmor Litoda. What, a, what, a, what an important... Uh, to it is, and how it there's 40 words in it, which represent the different aspects of the of the 40 letters, I think, or 40 words that represent the different aspects of the korban, korban toda itself, and how when I forgot who mentions this, 
that my memory doesn't serve me that well, but that the Karban is specifically important because basically all the Karbanot, according to Samed Rashim, all the Karbanot are going to be Mivutal by when Mashiach comes, besides for the Karban Toda. The only Karban we're going to bring is the Karban of Thanks. The reason for this is because the uh, the effect that a Karban has, according to the, to the Chachmei Kabbalah, is that a Karban reconnects a person with the distance that he created after he did an Aveira. If a person does an Aveira, first he does Teshuvah, and the Teshuvah takes him from, let's say, negative 10 to 0. And the Teshuvah wipes away the sin. Then, to get from 0 to plus 10 and to reconnect himself to Hashem, he needs to bring a Korban. So, the, in, in the future, when there won't be Averot, in the future, when we won't have this problem of needing to do Teshuvah, the, the only uh, Korban which we're going to bring is going to be the Korban Todah. So, this is why it's a very important... Um, it's considered a very important mizmar, and the Todah is considered a very uh, important korban. Lastly, I, I did want to mention a teeny bit more about the mizmar shir the Yom Shabbat. There's two minhagim with Baruch Shamar and mizmar shir the Yom Shabbat. One minhag, if you look at the Sidurim, is the Ashkenaz minhag to first say Baruch Shamar, and then say all seven, ten mizmorim, and then continue with the halalukas, and ashray and halalukah. The other is the svaradi, which we first do the seven mizmorim, or t- uh, sorry, ten, I don't remember how many. And then we do baruch shamar, and then we do the, the ordinary mizmorim. So the Torah in Reish Pe'alef sides with the Ashkenazim. The Torah says, I prefer the Ashkenaz way of doing it, because why are you going to say so many mizmorim without saying a bracha before? You should say a bracha baruch shamar, and then say all of them. That was the Torah's opinion. However, as the post scheme over there notes, the Svaradi Minhag has been and can, remains to be to put Baruch Shamar after all of the Mizborim of Shabbat, and this it has actually remained that way. They didn't they didn't switch according to the Torah's preference. I don't know why this preference stuck. If you think about it logically, it makes more sense. The Torah is right. It does make more sense to put Baruch Shamar. It's a bracha. You should say it before all of them. My suspicion is simply it was pragmatic, because once you say Baruch Shamar. You're, you're, this is called, these two brachot are book-ended, right? You have two brachot sandwiching the rest of the, the, the Pesukei de Zimra. So the, once you say Baruch Shamar, you're not allowed to talk until you say Yishtabach. And therefore my suspicion is, although this is just a theory, that, that the reason the Sfaradim prefer to do it this way is because there's less time where you're not allowed to talk. If somebody comes into shul and you haven't seen him for six weeks or whatever, or, or there's something that has to be done, the Tzorach Yitzibor, uh, you know, the, 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 the Gabay has to do something or say something. If Baruch She'amar until Yishtabach is 35 minutes long, it's very inconvenient. So I could theorize that perhaps this became, remained popular among the Sfaradim because they didn't want to spend forever on Pesukah Dezimra with a situation where they weren't allowed to talk and make a hefsek, and therefore they retained their original minhag. It would also stand to reason that the that that this could be evidence that these were added later, that the, that these seven mizmorim were added later, and nobody had the courage to put them after Baruch Shamar if they were added later, and so they just put it before Baruch Shamar. That's another uh, potential theory, but it's it's very difficult to trace this back because already by the time of the Geonim, we have four or five different versions of what they did in the time of the Geonim, so it's almost impossible to trace exactly what the initial customs were in the time of the Geonim. 
I never mentioned, uh, I don't know how much time we have. Uh, where are we up to? Oh, we spent a long time. Oh dear. Um, I never mentioned uh, one minhag uh, regarding, uh, no, sorry, one midrash regarding the Mizmor Shirli on Shabbat. Uh, this, I just want to mention, it's a, in, in Pirke, uh, Avot Yerbenatan, the first parak, if anyone is interested, I'll just say it quickly. The the Midrash says that Adam Harishon is the composer of Mizmor Shirli Yom HaShabbat. And he's saying it because he saw, at, after he was Chote, um, I think it was Erev Shabbat, and he saw the sun set, and he was afraid that the sun setting was representative of Midat Hadin, and he thought he had destroyed the world. When the sun rose again the next morning, he was so excited because he realized that there was a chance for renewal, and the Midat Hadin was not the only thing which controlled the world. Therefore, he saw, saw the sun rise, and he sang Mizmor Shir Leom Shabbat, and the Malachim took their harps, the Midrash, the, the Midrash says, and they came and sang together with him Mizmor Shir Leom Shabbat on the first day, on, on Shabbat itself. So there's another Midrash which says Moshe Rabbeinu later, uh, 2,000 years later, Moshe Rabbeinu re-revealed this Mizmor Shir Leom Shabbat, and he was the one who said it, and finally David Melach put it into Tehillim. So that's the history of Mizmor Shir Leom Shabbat. Quickly, I wish we had time for more, but Bezat Hashem, next week we'll either continue with a little bit more information about these Mizmorim, and we will start the fascinating history of Nishmat Kol Chai, which is probably one of the most popular and beautiful uh, prayers of the Shabbat. So thank you everyone for tuning in, and we will continue next week.